बिहारी जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी गोपी जान बाला गिरिवार धारी जय गोपी जान बाला गिरिवार धारी यशोदनंदन व्रजजन रंजन यशोदनंदन व्रजजन रंजन जमुनतीवनचारी जमुना तीरवनाचारी जय राधमाधव कुंज बिहारी जय राधमाधव कुंज बिहारी श्री कृष्ण चैतान्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैता गदाधर श्रीवासादि गौर भक्त जय श्री कृष्णा चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैता गदाधर श्रीवासादी गौर भक्त हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम 
Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jayo Jai Prabhupada, Prabhupada, Prabhupada Jai Jai Prabhupada. Jayo Jai Prabhupada, Prabhupada, Prabhupada Jai Prabhupada. Jam Vishupat Param Hamsa Parijakacharya Sotara Sadh Sri Srimat Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Shirabhupada Ki Jai Ananda Koti Vaishnavanda Ki Jai Granthraj Srimat Bhagavatam Ki Jai So we are reading from Canto 7, starting a new chapter, chapter 8. Lord Narasimha Dev slays the king of the demons. Exciting chapter. <clears throat> We're reading the first verse of the chapter, starting a new chapter today. Sri Narada Uvacha. Atha Sutta Sarve. Shrutva tat anuvarnitam Jagrihur niravadya tvan Naiva guru anushikshitam Srinarada uvacha Athadaitya sutta sarve Shrutva tat anuvarnitam Jagrihur niravadyatvan Naiva gurvanushikshitam Srinarada uvacha Athadaitya sutta sarve Shrutva tat anuvarnitam Jagrihur nirvadyatvan Naiva gurvanu shikshitam Srinarada uvacha Atadaitya sutta sarve Shrutvatad anuvarnitam Shikshitam Srinarada Uvacha Atadaitya Sutta Sarve Shrutvatad Anuvarnitam 
जगृहूर निरवध्यत्वान नैवा गुरवन शिक्षितम श्रीनारद उवाचा अधदैत्या सुता सर्वे श्रुत्वा तद अनुवानितम जगृहूर निरवध्यत्वान Naiva Gurvanu Shikshitam Matris Shri Narada Uvacha Atadaitya Sata Sarve Sutva Anvantam Jagrihur Niravadetvan Naiva Gurvanu Shikshitam Srinarada Uvacha Atataitya Sutta Sarve Sutta Dada Nuvanidam Nagrihu Niradaitam Naiva Gurvanu Shikshitam Word to word translation. Sri Narada Uvacha. Sri Narada Muni said. Atha. Thereupon. Daitya Sutta. The sons of the demons. The class friends of Maharaj Pariksha. Prahlad Maharaj. Survey. All. Shrutva. Hearing. Tat. By him. Prahlad. Anuvarnitam, the statements about devotional life. Jagrihu, accepted. Niravadhyatvat, due to the supreme utility of that instruction. Na, not. Eva, indeed. Guru Anushikshitam. That which was taught by their teachers. Translation in purport by Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shura Prabhupada. Translation, Narad Muni continued. All the sons of the demons appreciated the transcendental instructions of Prahlad Maharaj and took them very seriously. They rejected the materialistic instructions given by the teachers, Shanda and Amarka. This is the effect of the preaching of a pure devotee like Prahlad Maharaj. If a devotee is qualified, sincere and serious about Krishna consciousness and if he follows the instructions of a bona fide spiritual master as Prahlad Maharaj did when preaching the instructions he had received from Narada Muni, his preaching is effective. As it is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 25, Verse 25, Satam prasangaan mamavirya samvido bhavanti ritkarna rasayana katha. If one tries to understand the discourses given by the sat or pure devotees, those instructions will be very pleasing to the ear and appealing to the heart. Thus, if one is inspired to take to Krishna consciousness and if one practices the process in his life, 
he is surely successful in returning home back to Godhead. By the grace of Prahlad Maharaj, all his class friends, the sons of the demons, became Vaishnavas. They did not like hearing from their so-called teachers, Shanda and Amarka, who were interested only in teaching them about diplomacy, politics, economic development, and similar topics meant exclusively for sense gratification. Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Nama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna. <clears throat> so, this is the chapter 8 where Prahlad Maharaj has finished sharing his instructions. He's finished his preaching to his classmates, and the result has been quite wonderful. All the classmates have become devotees. And um, as we will continue in this chapter, we will see how all these class friends when in you know, Shanda and Amarka they find out that whole class is devotee now. And so the teachers are bewildered. They have no idea now what to do, you know. And they're going to go to Hiranakashipu to complain. But here this particular verse is glorifying Prahlad Maharaj's transcendental teachings, his preaching work, and we're glorifying all the classmates who heard this message very sincerely, very attentively, and they immediately transformed their lives. And they immediately became devotees. And not only that they became inspired in the Krishna consciousness, but they became disinterested from all the materialistic instructions that the teachers were giving. So that's a very um, powerful preaching. It's very potent. And um, it's very glorious, Prahlad uh, Maharaj's preaching. So Prabhupada said, um, so preaching is the essence, so books are the basis, utility is the principle, and purity is the force. Yeah? So these are the, so here we can see here that Prahlad Maharaj's purity, his force, is creating a momentum and is creating such wonderful um, result. And all these classmates have now become devotees. And we can see that something very similar was also achieved in the case of the modern time. In, in the modern time, we can see there's something very similar. A glorious preaching of the kind of Prahlad Maharaj was done by Shri Prabhupada. Um, <clears throat> And so, here Prabhupada is explaining in the purport, and something that's very important. Prabhupada is saying in the purport, um, Prahlad Maharaj, oh, if he follows the instructions of a bona fide spiritual master, as Prahlad Maharaj did, when preaching the instructions he had received from Narad Muni, his preaching is effective. So why 
Why is it that the Prahlad Maharaj's instructions were effective? Why was it powerful? Because he simply repeated what he heard from Narad Muni. So he didn't have to come up with anything new. And um, in the preface to Bhagavad Gita, if anyone remembers, Prabhupada writes something in similar line. Does anyone know? In relation to the Bhagavad Gita as it is. He talks about how that the Bhagavad Gita as it is is received so well and people are appreciating it. But he said, actually the credit is not mine, it's the credit is of my spiritual master. <clears throat> and then he says that if I have any credit in this matter, it is only that I have presented Bhagavad Gita as it is without any adulteration, without any changes. Because my presentation of Bhagavad Gita as it is, almost before my presentation of Bhagavad Gita as it is, almost all the English editions of Bhagavad Gita were introduced to fulfill someone's personal ambitions. But our attempt in presenting Bhagavad Gita as it is, is to present the mission of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. So no personal agenda. This is what Krishna is saying, and this is the translation. So there is no personal agenda, there is no misinterpretations. And in that way, the as it is, the Bhagavad Gita as it is, was received very, very amazingly. And Manmohan um, Prabhu, um, in a couple of classes ago, also was mentioning that it was so powerful, the teachings, that even the, the police department in New York, in the U.S., and they're wondering, how is this, how is this happening? He says, all these people that we are trying to get them off the drugs and alcohol, and we are not able to do anything while they're increasing more and more in numbers. But this Swami, in his old age, has come, and he's speaking something that's transforming these lives, these people's lives, so much so that they're no longer addicted or attracted to all these material activities, and they're becoming quite gentlemanly quite well presented. So they're wondering, how, what is he doing? How is it powerful? And Prabhupada was very strong and he was very non-compromising in his presentation. So we can hear, in, right in the beginning, Prabhupada would <coughs> introduce the topics that were very far out for the, for the hippies and the, and the people of the times. But he spoke out of a lot of compassion a lot of humility. There were a lot of challenges, of course. But here Prabhupada is again, he's explaining the reason why it was successful was because he simply repeated the words of the parampara. And as long as we repeat the same words, they will have the potency, they will have the power. So, in our outreach, in our preaching, we should preach according to question for everyone we should preach according to time place and circumstances yes what else our realization yes anything else our capacity yeah yeah <coughs> Guru Sadhana Shastra. Yes, nice. Yeah, this, these are the points that I thought of also. Nice, I'm happy.
Um, we should preach according to our realization. What's the definition of realization? What does it mean? What does realization mean? What is it? You see something and you realize it? Hopefully. What's, what's the dictionary definition of realization? I didn't check. Personal understanding? Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Anyone else? Anyone else knows the definition of realization? Or shall I say, the definition is Prabhupada gives it in the Bhagavatam. First canto, fourth chapter for the Bhakti Vaibhava students. Anyway, not that I remembered, but I looked it up before the class. <laughs> That's how I know it. But really nice definition of, of, of realization. Prabhupada explains it very amazingly. So here he says, Personal realization does not mean that one should, out of vanity, attempt to show one's own learning by trying to surpass the previous acharya. So you are not showing off your own learning and realizations while trying to supersede the previous acharya. Then he says, he must have a full confidence in the previous acharya. And at the same time, he must realize the subject matter so nicely that he can present the matter for the particular circumstances in a suitable manner. The original purpose of the text must be maintained no obscure meaning should be screwed out of it, yet it should be presented in an interesting manner for the understanding of the audience. That is called realization. Okay, who remembers the main points from that? <laughs> Let's see. What does realization mean? It's not our opinions. It's not our opinions. So yes, we are... We are not screwing out the meaning, Prabhupada is explaining, but we are presenting as it was given by the previous Acharyas. What else? We have full faith in the previous Acharya. We are not doubting, oh, maybe some of the things he said would, must be true, but like other things I'm not too sure, so maybe let me change it. No. We have the full confidence that everything that they say is true, because what they are saying is what they have heard from their previous teachers. What else? What else? <clears throat> we spoke something about speaking in the, in the times for the people of the times. What was it? Yes, Prabhupada is saying that you, can, you should speak in a way, you should understand the subject matter in a way so that you, can, so you are able to present it according to the times according to the people in the audience, yeah? And at the same time, you should be able to make it interesting. So it's not just that I'm going to just speak how I know it, but no. The audience should be able to understand it, and they should find it interesting. That's, that's, and you know, Albert Einstein said something very interesting. He said, if you can't explain something to a five-year-old, that means you don't know yourself. So, you know all this complicated theory or philosophy, and you can't explain that to a young person in a way that he or she can understand, 
That means you don't understand it yourself because you complicated it too much. So this is the subject matter. Prabhupada could explain some of the most esoteric, some of the most advanced topics in a way that even the modern people of the times could fully understand it. That's realization. So we're we are talking about preaching according to our realization, yeah? And so that was Prabhupada's definition. And Prabhupada appreciated when we preached according to our realization. When someone asked Prabhupada one time, what should I speak? You know, I'm supposed to give a class, what should I speak? Or if I'm doing book, doing book distribution, what should I speak? Prabhupada says, speak according to your realization. Don't speak what you haven't understood or what you haven't realized yet. And um, one, of the, one of the first child in the ISKCON movement was, does anyone know? Saraswati. Yeah? You knew it. Yeah, Saraswati. And what was Saraswati's preaching strategy? She would go on the street, she would stop people, and she would say, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is little Saraswati, like Surbi, like Surbi. <clears throat> and she would go and preach. And when Prabhupada saw that, Prabhupada said, yes, this is preaching according to realization. And Prabhupada proved it, that this is, this is correct, this is how it should be. One time Prabhupada, you know, so generally what would happen is Prabhupada would come in the morning, he would sit in the Vyasasana and he would give class. Yeah? But sometimes he would tweak it up a little bit. So he would come, he would sit in the Vyasasan, and then he would say in the audience, he said, now you should speak. So now you speak. And so he would randomly catch people from the audience and he would ask them to speak. So, Gargamuni, you speak. Okay, Hayagriva, you speak. And so they have to stand up and they have to speak something. <clears throat> so he was, one such day he was asking everyone to get up and say something. And then he spoke, he pointed this one devotee, he said, now you speak. And now everyone is wondering, now what is this devotee going to speak? Why? Because that devotee doesn't read so much. <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't like, you know, he's not such a technical person, or he doesn't know like Shastra intricate details. So everyone's wondering, what is he going to speak? So what did he do the whole day, every day? He would roll chapatis. That was his service. He was just rolling chapatis in the kitchen the whole day. So when Prabhupada asked him, now you speak. He started speaking about how to roll chapatis. <laughs> he started thinking about how to make the dough, what are the ingredients you put into it. And then he said, then you take the pin, then you start rolling the pin, and then you make the circle like that, and then you put it in the tawa, and then you make it, then that's how you do it like this and like that, and then it puffs. And, and he spoke the full recipe, and everyone was wondering, what is he, what is he speaking, you know, this is, this is not relevant. And then he speaks the whole process of chapati making, and at the end of it, he says, he says, and because he said, I, uh, it, as I was trying to look for this pastime to find the exact line, it was really nice. But he says in the line of that, I make this chapatis every day, and I'll make this till end of my life, because I do that to serve Krishna. And that was his realization. And Prabhupada proved of it. He said, yes, this is realization. <laughs> He's speaking according to his realization. This is perfect. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> in our service, in our preaching, we, we speak according to our own realization. We always should. Um, another point that we spoke about, we should preach according to 
what Prabhu mentioned. Time, time, place, and circumstance. Yes? What works for one particular uh, place in one particular time may not necessarily work for other places in other times. Yes? So one needs to know the time, place, and circumstance, and one needs to speak or preach accordingly. <clears throat> we had, we just came out of, of, not just, I mean, it's been a while now, but when there was the COVID time, you know, it's the time, times had completely changed. The way how we would normally do have the classes, people come in, we speak, and then COVID came and everything changed. And, um, but interestingly, devotees understood that this is not going to change anytime soon. So let's adapt to it. And so we started giving a lot of online classes. We started delivering a lot of prasadam. And it was met with a lot of success. Isn't it? After two years of um, COVID and uh, lockdown and everything, and when everything opens up, we see all of a sudden this flood of people, all these devotees who have been chanting 16 rounds that we have never seen before. <laughs> And where did they all become devotees? When did you become devotees? We wondered so many people, so many families coming, all from COVID times. Like how the devotees adapted to the times and worked in a way that would inspire these people who are locked down at home. Now, is this something that we are doing in our times? No. This is something that all the Acharyas have done in the past also. So one of the classic examples is Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who was, who was such a contemporary, who was such an, who was so adapted to the times, he would have huge exhibitions with uh, pictorial representations, uh, dioramas, dolls, like life-sized, and they would have like all these different presentations. And sometimes he would have these in the temple, all these Krishna conscious presentations. But then, I think, was it in Mayapur, where he would, from the time when people come into the, because you, to come to Mayapur, you have to come in boats. You come to the boat, you, you come out of the shore. And then he would have like the two sides of the street, both playing all kinds of um, karmi music. Like, you know, it's like a mundane karmi music, but like very well presented. And so, you know, and he would, he would, he would get all these um, upper sampradayas, <laughs> not bona fide sampradayas, and musicians. He would get them, and he would get them to perform all along the way until the temple. And people are all, uh, people are all attracted because it's such a good presentation. Even though it's mundane, it's even though it's material. <clears throat> It would attract them, and as they go, keep following the route, keep following the path, they would end up in the temple. <laughs> and when they end up in the temple, it's a completely Krishna conscious presentation inside. And it became so popular, it became so big, that every day they would attract about 100,000 visitors. And it went on for a whole month. Huge preaching. So many people got attracted to Krishna consciousness. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur would also interact with the Englishmen of the times and he would dress up in the suit. You know, we have this photo, we have seen 
Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Tagore's photo and this long suit and a very aristocratic looking, you know, and before him or even during his time or even after his time, like people can't wrap their heads around like a sannyasi wearing a suit, like a long suit. It's, it's just so unheard of. It's so foreign <clears throat> for them to understand. So he did that. He sent, his, he sent his sannyasi disciples to England to go and preach. Um, and they stayed there for three years. They were not successful. They had to come back at one point. But he tried. And he, in some very innovative, in some very creative ways, he tried to preach and share this message of Krishna consciousness according to the times. Another one is Prabhupada. Classic. Can anyone say anything that Prabhupada did that was quite adapted to the times? Something unique? Making a shop front into a temple? Yes. The matchless gifts. Yeah. What else? Did Prabhupada did anything creative? Or no? Oh, we are not sure. <laughs> what is it? <clears throat> what is some of the things that he did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, <clears throat> he gave the... Prabhupada gave all the initiations. The first set of initiations, and by the end of the initiations, all the initiations came inside the temple room, and the first thing they saw was like a poster there that had the four regulative principles. <laughs> so Prabhupada gave that. He didn't give that like the first thing, you should follow the four regulative principles, you're not following that, you're in Maya, you're Karmi, you're Demon, nah. You know, you're chanting Hare Krishna, okay, let's start with something. <clears throat> and eventually he, make it, he made it more strict and more organized, but in the beginning it wasn't like that. So yes, it's a very good example, thank you. Anyone else? What did Prabhupada did? What Prabhupada did that was creative, that was quite adapted to the times, that worked, why his preaching worked? What else? The dictaphone. Yeah, he was using the modern technology, yeah. Yeah, the sannyasis would not have anything to do with technology before that. Yeah. He did, he did ride in Rolls Royce. <laughs> it's interesting because when Prabhupada went to US, and it's not that, okay, my Guru Maharaj asked me to preach in the U.S., I'm going to go, grow up in the U.S., and I'm going to just start giving classes. No. When Prabhupada went to the U.S., it was interesting because, uh, I think it was Mukunda Maharaj who, was, who mentions that, that initial nearly one year or quite a few months is where Prabhupada was just constantly walking in the neighborhood areas. He, was, he would take the trains and go as far as the train go and come back like local trains, buses. And you would see how people are doing things, what people are talking about, what people are shopping, like their mindset, their lifestyle. So Prabhupada observed everything, he saw. 
<clears throat> and he really tried to understand the whole culture and, uh, and what people were about. And then, once he understood, and then once he was, you know, he was sort of more equipped with the times, he then started speaking about Krishna consciousness. So in that way he observed, he studied. And he was, at any point, he was not, he was not naive to what's going on in the society. He was always up to date with what's going on in the modern Western society. And it's interesting because when we talk about Prabhupada, he, was, he comes from a, um, a completely different background to the kind of audience that he was preaching to. It's a completely different audience, <clears throat> completely different age group. His Western society, um, mm, the whole culture, the whole principles is completely different. Mary Prabhupada came from a very aristocratic family, belonging to the Vedic culture, Brahmana, Vaishnava family. And, um, and at least 50 years of age difference. <laughs> for, for, it's, that's a huge, it's, that's almost like, um, almost older than a grandfather. It's older than a grandfather, because a grandfather of the, someone in 20 years would be like 60 years old around 60, 65. So Prabhupada was older than that. And then he could connect to them and he could speak to them in a way that they feel inspired and they follow him. It's, it's completely bewildering. But Prabhupada did that because he, he, he learned, he studied, he understood the times. And in the modern day, we do many amazing things actually. It's very interesting. <clears throat> The devotees always come up with these creative ideas to make Krishna consciousness relevant for the times, for the place, for the circumstances that we are trying to present to uh, the audience that we, we, we have. Um, anything interesting that you can think of that we do right now? That's different, adapting to the times now. So there's one, there's the, the, the classic Vedic style is, of preaching is, Guru would come, he would, he would, he would sit on the Vyasasan, he would speak, all the students listen, they all, all the Brahmacharis would stay in the ashram with the Guru, and after 25 years they'll go get married. You know, the classic one ashram system, Guru, disciple system. <clears throat> but then, how do we do it to adapt to the times that we are in, especially like in the Western world that we live in right now. We have the mantra nights. We have the, the mantra meditation, the kirtan nights, where um, we invite everyone and then for the Hare Krishna mantra we ask them all, now let's all stand up. <laughs> let's try to move with the, uh, with the, with the beat, with the rhythm. We get them to dance in the kirtan. Yeah. What else? What else that we do? The what? The Sunday love feast. The Prabhupada introduced that. The love feast. <clears throat> A very interesting concept because the Western society, they're used to, the people are used to go to like a religious center on Sunday evening. It's, it's kind of like part of the culture. 
Yes, all right, okay, then let's, <laughs> they can come to us. We can have a love feast, you know, where there will be same program. It's all lecture, kirtan, and prasad, but just a different name for it. And, um, yeah, the, the temple, Anupa was mentioning, the temple is, the love feast has become so big. It's, it's like a festival now, every Saturday and Sunday evenings. So, yeah. <clears throat> What are some of the other things, the modern tactics that you can think of? Restaurants. Yeah. We don't <laughs> one time one devotee, uh, there was a preaching program and there was a, there was a, there was a sannyasi who gave a class <clears throat> and then um, he asked, what's the prashadam? Who cooked the prashadam? He said, oh, we get it from the restaurant. You get prashadam from the restaurant? It's not a devotee restaurant, <laughs> but it's, a, it's a, the, the concept of restaurant, eating in the restaurant is so far out. But then, since we want to eat in the restaurants, we have the devotee restaurants, and Melbourne has a few. And restaurants, but also the caterings, yeah. Anything else that you can think of? Uh, <clears throat> there is um, one of the very successful way of the Western outreach is, um, or at least has been known as the loft preaching. The loft preaching um, started more so in the in, in New Zealand under the guidance of His Holiness Devamrita Swami, and um, it's quite interesting because. It's, uh, it's uh, a little attic, it's a little, you know, you, you sort of narrow stairs, you climb up the stairs, you go onto the first floor, it's kind of isolated from the rest of the town. <clears throat> they have the couches there, they have like this soft mats there, and they have uh, like a, the whole decoration, the whole, whole scene is very homely, it's very home-like. But then we do the same thing, we do the lecture Kirtan and Prashad. But because it's such a homely atmosphere, people tend to put down the guards. They relax a little bit because it, it feels like I'm at home. <laughs> so they're not so stressed about like being in a temple or being in a church where like someone is going to come and attack them now. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm at home, you know, and what do you do at home? You just relax, you know, you just kind of recline in a couch, you just kind of wait for the person who sort of turns up next to you and you just start talking about some norm, having some normal conversations. And they think, oh, that's normal. And then they, while you're talking to them and they, they slowly introduce to chanting, they introduce some books, Bhagavad Gita, chanting VIP. And the person says, oh yeah, okay, you know, like, it looks like a nice person, it looks like a nice atmosphere. They make like this, fancy vegan food, you know, and uh, it's like f f vegan fish and chips and, <laughs> and, and but you know, it, it, you know, uh, vegan butter chicken and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, oh, I like, I like fish and chips, so I like butter chicken, but now it's all vegan, but it still tastes good. And so, okay, you know, like, you people are nice. <laughs> so <clears throat> that whole urban outreach is, it, it's kind of just, turned 
around and, and, and completely change the way how we approach to the, to the youth or of the times, the, especially the Western youth. And, um, and people have really adapted to it, they really like it, you know. <clears throat> um, there's another one that I was thinking, and there was something very interesting. Um, so the devotees, this is, devotees are always coming up with these creative ideas, and there's one of these creative ideas that they, one of the devotees started uh, was a 21-day challenge. So what they do is, there's like a whole introduction talk to the 21-day challenge, where they would talk about how it's important to understand yourself, how it's important to understand uh, that the real happiness is not in working and buying, consuming. People are like, yeah, 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 I get that. I, and yeah, like you can't be just running around whole day and like you can't make you happy. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And so then <clears throat> there's a whole presentation on that. And they said, now what we're going to do is for next 21 days, we're going to have a program, a routine. And in that way, because it takes 21 days to build a habit. And so now we're going to build a habit by every day doing meditation for at least 10 minutes. <clears throat> People think, yeah, 10 minutes is doable. We'll, we're going to read a little bit of Bhagavad Gita every day. Why? Because Bhagavad Gita does talk about the self. So we'll start with the second chapter, 13th verse onwards. Everyone should read at least 15 minutes every day. <clears throat> Everyone, and then, and then everything else is like, you know, you just set your intentions, you set your goals for the morning, you kind of report in the evening, there's like a group, a WhatsApp group, and everyone reports to it. And every day morning, they make a little video of what they intend to do for the day. And every day in the evening, they send a message saying, oh, I did that, I did not do that. By seeing that how a community develops through that WhatsApp group, and how everyone inspires each other, and how everyone holds everyone accountable, Actually, a few people, they actually started chanting 16 rounds just from that. And few people actually became devotees from that. And the 21-day challenge, and then it continues for another 21-day challenge, and it continues on. <clears throat> and at one point, people realized that actually, I, this is what I do every day when I wake up, you know. I just set an intention for myself, I do my meditation, and I go about my day. So, a very... Very interesting. So it's almost like I was just discussing with one devotee yesterday and he was mentioning that this is like a classic modern time um, gurukul in some way. Not exactly gurukul, but like more like a... Because there is, in the WhatsApp group there is a guru <laughs> who is going to tell you every day, remember, you got to chant, remember, you got to read. And, and because people are so far away, it's going to be impossible for a guru to reach out to them in person. So they're going to just send out a video message that's less than a minute long, and everyone is inspired. And then the students are following the instructions of the guru. <laughs> and they're actually following that every day <clears throat> until it just becomes habit for them. Very interesting, very unique style. There is also the book distribution. That was um, sort of um, revolutionized by Vaishya Shika Prabhu. And um, during the COVID times, we had these phone call parties. Devotees would call up the people and say, Oh, you know, I understand that 
you must be sitting lonely, you must be sitting at home whole day, and it's so boring. You know, I'm, I'm just reaching out to you just to ask, how are you? And the people on the other end is like, I'm good, thank you. Who are you? you know, <laughs> who are you? Whom am I talking to? Like, I, I don't know who I, but it sounds like a nice person. And you just introduce, you make a little icebreaker, and then you tell them, you know what, part of like our meditation center, what we're trying to do is we're sending out some meditation books. You know, because you're sitting at home, you can't go out, but at least you can go in. So you can read this book, it'll inspire you. And people are like, yes! And so many people distribute, actually, so many books were distributed during COVID, they almost broke the records of distributing books before COVID. <clears throat> and then, devotees started distributing the whole Bhagavatam sets over the phone. And it's amazing. Like I, and it was funny, I, I had a list and I was going through my list and I called up this one person, a Western uni student um, from Melbourne Uni, who was living in Canberra, and told him, and we had a discussion, and he said, yeah, I'll get a Bhagavatam set. And he got a Bhagavatam set, he paid for it. Over the phone, he has never seen the books, he has never seen me. It's the first time that we ever spoke, and he got a whole set. So, <clears throat> and there are many people like that. They got the books. Interesting. Also, Prabhu introduced, Vaisheshikapu also introduced the, the, the weekend warriors and monthly Sankirtan festival. Back in the days, we're talking about in the 60s, 70s, 80s, where the whole temple was all about the brahmacharis. Who is living in the temple? They are like the, like the driving force. All the services, the brahmacharis do. All the book distribution, the brahmacharis do. And if you're not in, a, if you're not in brahmacharya ashram, you're, you're basically in maya. You're, <laughs> you're basically not part of the temple. You are, you're kind of like a struggling devotee. But that changed. And that has changed now that we see that, um, that we have a congregation of a thousand plus devotees who, are, who may be chanting 16 rounds or more. And how many brahmacharis? Nine. <laughs> so the proportions have changed. So then how do you adapt to that? If you still hope that the brahmacharis will drive the book distribution and they will do all the book distribution, well then, it's not going to be much books going out and there's going to be a lack of service for all the rest of the devotees. And what about the people who, who miss out on Krishna consciousness? So what Vaisheshikapu introduced, he said, let's do once in a month where we all go out and we spend a couple of hours distributing books. Everyone go. The families, the singles, the children, everyone. Let's everyone go out. Let's spend only two hours. No more. <laughs> go out on the street, take a book in your hand, and say, excuse me. And then see what happens. <clears throat> only once in a month. Not more than once in a month. Not less than once in a month. Let's do once in a month for two hours every day. Let's go out and let's try and distribute books. So something that we are also going to do this Saturday, by the way. Um, we are going to go out. That we are going to do our monthly Sankirtan festival. And we are going to distribute some books for two hours from this Saturday, on this Saturday. We go in city and we go in suburbs and a lot of devotees will be coming and joining in. So from young to old, everyone can come. 
<coughs> and everyone can try and participate and distribute some books. And then we report all the scores to Prabhupada by the end of the distribution. The weekend warriors, for those devotees who are fired up, they said, no, no, once in a month is too less. I've been going there for a whole year. Now I, I want to do more. This, is just the, this book distribution is so good. The people are actually taking the books, they're giving donations, they're coming back to me asking questions, they're coming for the program, they want to know more, they're asking for other books. This is great, you know, I want to know more, I want to do more. Okay, let's do every weekend then, every Saturday evening. <clears throat> so there are weekend warriors, this Badra campaign, which starts from Gaur Purnima and finishes in Badra Purnima. And all the scores, all the Bhagavatams that are distributed in that six months of period, all gets reported as part of the Badra campaign, and all the offerings, all the names are offered in that Badra Yagya, which happens in Naimisharanya, under the guidance of Vaisheshika Prabhu. And the goal is to distribute 100,000 Bhagavatams in that six months gap worldwide in next few more years. So if you think about it, 100,000 Bhagavatam sets, it's huge, but then we are slowly, slowly, slowly making our way there. And uh, <clears throat> for us, we have a small target, as Gopandish Prabhu mentioned a couple of classes ago, of 108 Bhagavatam sets. We have done about 62, 63 Bhagavatam sets so far. We have still a long way to go. And uh, we are inspiring devotees. Okay, go and you can, we can all try and distribute one Bhagavatam set. If everyone does one Bhagavatam set, that's about a thousand Bhagavatam sets. That's way more than what we have at the moment. <laughs> But we can at least try, everyone can at least try for one Bhagavatam said to their friends or family. <clears throat> so in that way, it's a very interesting Gita marathons like that. So all this, all this modern, we, we are adapting to the time and place and circumstances and we are trying to preach according to the way how we have the current demo, demographics. Um, this is also interesting because when we are in these Western outreach centers, we also use the different terminology. And it's something that's true even for an Indian outreach now. It, it doesn't really work that way. A lot of people who, who consider themselves the modern people, they don't like to talk about God. <laughs> they don't like to talk about Lord and surrender. So, so we try to modify this whole terminology a little bit. <laughs> make it more relevant for them. So we don't say, now we are going to chant about God's names and we, w we want all of you to repeat after us. No, we say, this is the mantra meditation. <laughs> this is the mantra that helps us deliver our mind. It helps us connect with our deep essence, connects us with the Supreme in a way that they can understand, that they can appreciate. Um, <clears throat> we change the titles of our events we don't call it Kirtan night, we call it the Mantra Meditation Night. Everyone likes meditation these days. So we call it the Mantra Meditation Night. So, we don't call, actually it's interesting also, we don't call it preaching. <laughs> preaching is very, is, is, you know, the, 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 it's, it's very strong word. People don't like it, so we call it outreach. <laughs> so things like that, we adapt into the times, we adapt into the circumstances in a way that people can appreciate and so they're not alienated from Krishna consciousness, just from how we introduce it to them. And we are not the first ones to do it. 
and we are not the only ones to do it. Actually, many of the other schools, the impersonal schools, the Mayavadis, they actually do it. And in some ways, they do it even better than us. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely time for us to make that adjustment. And uh, any suggestions, though? And how can we do it? Can anyone think of it? Like, how can we make that happen? How can we make it relevant for the modern times? What are some of the things that we can do? We should know what people are into, and how do we know that? By making connections with people who are not devotees, yeah? Sure. Doing yoga retreats, yeah, but how, my question is, how would you understand what's relevant for the times? Because we, if you spend a lot of time in the temple or with the devotees, you almost disconnect of what's going on in the outside world. They like coming, yes. <clears throat> yes, again, the, the question is, uh, so, yes, that, that's a good point, that we, we have our outings or we have our retreats where we can invite people, and then when they come in, then we spend a lot of time with them where we talk to them and we listen to them. It's not that now finally he has come in. <laughs> now, now he's going to listen to me for the next two days and he's not going to be able to escape because in my premises. <laughs> no, we actually ask them questions. We ask them, what do you do, you know? Where do you go? What do you eat? Yeah, and we try to find out from them. Any, anyone else has any, any ideas? Any thoughts? I thought was what, what was one, so I, I did think of that point and that is a very nice point. And I, one more point that I thought of was <clears throat> when people become devotees, when the new people become, or when, when we have these new devotees, this kind of like the new recruits. And these people, they're, they're, they're still like, they're just, they're so fresh out from the material world into Krishna consciousness, they still know exactly what goes on in the world outside because they're so fresh from it. They still speak the same language, they still have the same mannerisms, they still have the same lifestyle. And so if you just ask them, what did you do before this? <laughs> they can tell you. And they'll be more open to sharing it with you because now that they're Krishna conscious, now that they're devotees, <clears throat> but then they still know what's been happening outside because they've been part of it for so long. So they can really tell us some really good ideas about how to, how to preach according, or how to outreach according to the times. Because they exactly know, they know what's going on. So a lot of time it can happen that as soon as people become devotees is that we want to show off our learning that oh, I've been around for so many years and now that you become devoted, now you're a fresh new kid, I'm going to train you up and I'm going to tell you what you should do. Instead of just giving all the time, if we can ask them and if we can learn from them, there are some really creative ideas that can come up from it. There's some really creative ways of outreaching that can come up from it. And so if we can team up that, that, that um, 
enthusiasm and the ideas of the new people and the wisdom and the experience and the, the scriptural experience and understanding of the older devotees, if we can team that up, it's a deadly combination <laughs> for Maya. It's a powerful combination because now, because sometimes young older devotees, they can get a little caught up in services and they, 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 don't, they, they might not have the same enthusiasm to go out, do adventures, take risks. But the new people have that. And so you can team that up, we can back them up. It can be done in some, it, we can do some really great things. Um, so that's one thing that I could think of. And, and another point was what Gopandish was mentioning yesterday, and that's very true, is that for all of us, we should wreck our brains in thinking about and coming up with some very creative ideas on how we can outreach to people. There is, there is no limitation to what we can do and what we can't do. There is, there is no limitation. So you can come up with any great idea that will introduce people to Krishna consciousness, to Holy Name, to Prabhupada's books. It's all powerful. <clears throat> and um, last question to all of you, and um, it'll be good to hear from you. So, in the topic of outreach or preaching that we are talking about, um, what Prahlad Maharaj did, what Prabhupada did, all these great devotees did or do, what does it take, what does it require from us to outreach, to preach? What does it, what does it take, what is, what is required of us or within us to do that service? Because it's not easy. So what, what, are, what, what is it that we need? <clears throat> everyone has to contribute, I'm going to point everyone. <laughs> We don't have too many people in the class, so I can ask everyone by their names. <laughs> yes. Compassion. Compassion. Definitely. Definitely. What else? Faith. What? Faith. Faith. Yeah, we need the faith. Faith in the scriptures. Faith in the guru, sadhu, shastra. Yeah. Patience. A lot of patience. Yeah. For sure. Humility. Yeah. Dedication, yeah, all these qualities, something is coming. Purity, sadhana, our sadhana, our devotional practices on a daily basis, yes. Blessings of seniors, yeah, yeah, these are the points that we need. And we need all of this and we need a lot of all of this. <laughs> a little bit of compassion, a little bit of faith will not do. Because you go there with a little bit of faith and you get blown away by Maya. Because it's so powerful outside. The material world is like a big wave, you know. And you go there with like a little boat, you know, you get thrown away, you know. You can't, you can't survive because it's so powerful there. <clears throat> so we need a lot of faith. We need a lot of dedication. We need a lot of blessings. And so we can see when we, as we try and outreach, as we try and preach more and more, we cultivate these qualities, isn't it? Our faith gets stronger. Our, our, we become more humble. Definitely. <clears throat> um, one time one devotee mentioned, how, uh, there was one devotee asked a question, how, how do I become humble? And the answer was just go and preach. 
Because if you're not humble, people will make you humble. <laughs> because they won't listen to you. They will not follow your instructions. They don't care who you are and how much you are respected in the community. You, whatever you are. And so, so that makes you humble. Correct? But then, but then if you have that compassion where you actually want to share this knowledge, then you, you, know, you, you will constantly keep trying. And as you try more and more, and actually if you study their lives, if you study the lives of people who live this materialistic lifestyle, if you actually study them, if you ask them, when did you have a proper meal last? <laughs> like, how was your relationship with the parents? You know, like for devotee kids, it's like a, it's like a concept that doesn't exist, you know, like, what do you mean? Parents are always good, isn't it? <laughs> They're always nice to you, isn't it? They always cook good food, isn't it? So, <laughs> you can talk to some of your classmates. <clears throat> um, you can ask them, uh, how does your, your, your house and circumstances look like? And they tell you, they tell you and it's a mess. How is your relationships with your friends? It's a mess. It's a complete mess. When did you take shower last? <laughs> it's a mess, you know? So, we are trying to, so when we, when we speak to, when we hear about all these details, and when we, and, you know, and then when you come and dance in the Guru Puja, and when you come and have the Sunday feast, and when you associate with the devotees and have their friends there, at least some part of us should feel some compassion that what I have is so amazing, and this person has literally nothing. He's like starving in the desert, you know, like he's got no food and no water, no nourishment. And that's why they're looking so drained out. So let me share some of what I have, like, like which is a whole lot. If I can share a little bit to them, their lives will change. And so I have everything and I don't need anything more. But maybe I can share a little bit of what I have to these persons and their lives will change and the society will become better, and Prabhupada will be pleased, and Krishna will be pleased. So, yeah, gives us some compassion when we study their lives. When we, when we, when we speak to them, and then they challenge us, and they question us, and sometimes they, they, they throw a question, and then, oh, I never thought about that, let me get back to you. <laughs> and we go back, then we have to now study the books, we have to listen to the lectures, we have to ask devotees, in that way, our faith becomes stronger. So in that way, we develop ourselves. And that's why I think I quoted last class also, but it's really nice quote where Vaisheshika Prabhu says that we, we preach, we outreach, we distribute books for what it makes of us. So, um, and then when we have a whole community of people where everyone is trying to outreach, where everyone is trying to share this Krishna consciousness and where everyone is trying to cultivate these qualities of a, of a successful preacher, then you can see this community is just so enlivened. Everyone is so happy, isn't it? Because everyone is moving forward. They're, they're making a progress in their individual lives and they can see collectively there is a progress. And it makes everyone very happy. It makes everyone very satisfied. So... And when, when we become satisfied in that way, then we are not so much attracted to sense gratification. You know, a, a, a successful day in book distribution, a great Harinam, 
after big nice feast um, you look at some of the worldly things it's not attractive it, there's nothing in it it looks like very dry so this is this is the translation here where the classmates of Prahlad Maharaj who took it very seriously and he rejected they rejected the materialistic lifestyle and instructions they just became disinterested because there was something so pleasant about Krishna consciousness in their life so to conclude we have MSF monthly Sanketan festival this Saturday <laughs> I just had to put it there somehow and uh, <clears throat> so please take your time out and please contact one of us myself Gopandish Prabhu um, or any one of us and uh, and we can make arrangements so you can go out you can distribute some books we can share this knowledge and um, in that way we can become enlivened in our Krishna consciousness so thank you very much for your kind attention Hare Krishna is there anyone anyone has any questions or comments or corrections yes we need the mic Hare Krishna Prabhuji and thank you for the nice class. Prabhuji, you mentioned in other verses that when we are pure and follow the instructions, then our preaching becomes very effective. But we see in ourselves, we're not that pure and we're not exactly following the instructions. But we're encouraged to like preach. And also Srila Prabhupada says like everyone is a guru in Iskon. So everyone is? is a guru, guru in yeah. Islam. So how do we understand this? Because until we take time to become pure, it becomes too late. Yes. So it's like the parallel tracks. Like a railway tracks, a parallel tracks, they go together. So you can't just have one. By doing the devotional service, we become pure. And the more pure we become, the more qualified we become to do the devotional service. But how else we would become pure if we didn't engage in devotional service? So, it's by doing it that we become pure. So a lot of time people say, Oh, I will not chant 16 rounds right now because my chanting is not very attentive. So I'm just going to chant one round. But then, even those people who are chanting 16 rounds for so long, even they are still taking time to come to an attentive chanting. If you do only one round, it's like how, are you going to, how long is it going to take for you to have an attentive chanting? So, <clears throat> Even if your chanting is not very attentive, very attentive, at least theoretically we understand that chanting 16 rounds is what is required. I do that. And once I get there, then I try to make it more attentive. Similarly, okay, I'll go and preach. I'm not qualified and that's a very good, um, it's a very good attitude to have because it's true. <laughs> we are not qualified. We, like how much of realizations do we actually have that or that holy name can actually make us happy, to chant and be happy. Like how much of realization do we have? And in our problems, in our distress, do we just chant and become happy all of a sudden? No. So we don't really have that. But because we say that and we say that and we say that and we again and again and again, even if, it not, if nothing changes of the audience, at least after saying so many times, at least we might start believing in it. That yeah, maybe I should chant. Because I've spoken about it so many times. That we are not the body, we are the soul. We are not the body, we are the soul. We are not the body, we are the soul. So I'm speaking for so many times. Finally, it dawns on us that, yeah, maybe I'm not the body, I'm the soul. So, in that way, we're starting to become purified in our, through our preaching, through our efforts. 
So it's this, it's always, we have, to, we have to always start somewhere, but then we can make the steady progress, and as we do it more and more and more, our devotion service goes deeper, our realizations become stronger, and um, it actually turns us into a better person. So, in, in any, any case, um, we should, although we should be humble, we should never um, feel hopeless that I'm not qualified now, how can I do this? No, I just do it, and it's by doing it that you become qualified. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you, Professor. Someone else said, yeah. Thank you for the wonderful class. My question was, you said to realize something is to to be able to explain it properly to other people. But sometimes in book distribution, if you try to explain something to some people, they just don't seem to get it. Mm. I was trying to explain to someone about um, Big Bang Theory. Mm. And I asked him about, does a bomb create destruction? And he's like, I don't know. And he didn't seem to care about knowledge and like that. So then how do we try to explain to that kind of people? <coughs> so, many factors to consider. One is, of course, sometimes it's hard for a person to listen to a child, you know. What do you know, you know? <laughs> You're still studying in the school, you know. I've done the university. I'm double PhD and I'm master's and I'm this and that. What do you know? Are you going to teach me about Big Bang Theory? You know, so they, can net, they cannot take it because it requires a certain amount of humility. And if you're listening from someone, you have to somewhat accept that there is a possibility that that person knows more. You know, so, <clears throat> but unless one considers that as a possibility, one will never listen from you. So that's one problem that we can't do much about. It's just you have to wait until you get taller. <laughs> until you become more tall, tall and tall, and then you can look at them. <laughs> but until then, if they can't come to accept that, then we can still tell them something that they can accept. We can tell them that this food is the best food. They have to accept that. They can't reject that, you know, they can say, oh yeah, that's the best food really. We can tell them this is the best music. It's fun. I always have fun every day. You should check this out too. Yeah, okay. Can't argue about that. So, if, so the point is to understand where they are at and we have to speak according to their, wherever, whatever they are able to appreciate. <clears throat> so, um, there was one point and there was another point I was thinking of. Uh, I just skip my mind now. Welcome to that if it comes. Thank you. Any other questions? If not, thank you very much. Granth Rachimad Bhagavatam ki jai Shri Prabhupada ki jai. <laughs>